The Fantasy Six-Pack Hour With your hosts Joe Bob Ah, you're awful And A.J. Appleton Sin Shu Chu Mouthful All right, all right. Welcome back, everybody, to the Fantasy Six Pack Hour. We kind of taken a uh, a couple different hiatuses here. Uh, we had a, a single show in January to touch on some baseball free agency news, but uh, we are officially back and gonna be in the swing of things for some time now here. So, um, my name is Joe Bond. Uh, founder of FantasySixPack.net, and now just a just a writer for, for so-called fantasy experts, taking a taking a little time off with the content managing over there. So uh, we'll, uh, you know, still still being involved, but but not as involved right now. So, but I'm still still over there. Uh, anyway, let me uh, introduce my co-host here, AJ Applegrass. What's going on, man? Hey man, what's going on? Happy uh Wednesday to you. Yeah, man. I am uh I am excited to be back. It's it's taken a while for me to get back in the swing of things. Uh football and everything kind of not gonna lie, kinda of burnt me out. So it's it's good to be back. It was good to basically take a full month off and just kinda of recharge. But uh I'm ready for some baseball talk. What about you? Yeah, man, absolutely. Football is uh, is officially over now, and uh, let's move on. Let's get get into baseball mode and and just get excited for the season. Yeah, definitely. So tonight, for those listening, we're gonna get into some. It, it is our fantasy baseball. I don't know. We didn't want to call it the preview show because we have multiple preview shows with different positions, but this is kind of a, an overall intro to baseball. Uh, we're going to cover some draft strategy for different types of leagues, talk about some position eligibility changes that's going to affect some things in 2017 that you may not have realized uh, there's some position eligibility changes. And then we're going to touch last on some prospects, some guys that you're going to want to pay attention to in the draft, some guys that you may not want to draft in your normal standard uh, your normal standard redraft leagues, but uh, you know, keep an eye on them because when they get the call up, they, they, they might be able to make a, a pretty big impact. Um, but let's first get started here with some draft strategy. And AJ, you put the question down here what's your overall draft strategy and who do you target when? And it, it's that's a tough question, it honestly is. My overall draft strategy. I guess going into it is uh, – it seems stupid. Like it seems cliche to say and, and kind of not really answering the question, but you know, take the best player. Don't have a plan is really what the plan is, <laughs> as stupid as that sounds. But don't have a plan. You cannot go into a draft going, I have to take uh, – a third baseman in the first round. I've got to take an outfield in the second round. I've got to take a pitcher in the third round. I've got to take this guy in this round. If you lock yourself into those kinds of plans, you are going to miss out on 
key players that have fallen in your drafts that are better value, that are going to help your team in the long run. And you're just going to hurt yourself. So my plan is don't have a plan. Go in thinking I'm going to take the best player available. You know, look, don't wait till round nine to take your first pitcher. You know, that that's kind of silly. Um, but, you know, if you get a bunch of hitters that are going to fall to you that shouldn't be there, then, yeah, all right, maybe I'll wait an extra round on a pitcher that, that I normally would have. Um, that said, I, I tend to wait a little bit on pitching myself. Um, it's kind of crept up in the rounds uh, as the years have gone on, and pitching seems to be more and more important. Um, and we're getting these, like, super studs, and you kind of need to have at least, like, one of them. Uh, you know, if you miss out on Kershaw and Scherzer, there's still some guys that can really anchor your staff and be good. But you, you kind of, in my opinion, you, you need to go grab one of them. Um, so I'm hoping I can wait till round three or four to grab one of those guys, but maybe not anymore. Like sometimes it, it's hard to say that it depends on how your draft is going. And, and we'll get into some of that. I think when we talk about the different kind of the different kinds of leagues with categories and points and Roto, um, you know, but I'll, I'll take the early rounds here. AJ, you take the middle to later rounds. So my early to mid rounds is I want guys that I know can consistently produce. I'm not going to reach for a second-year guy who's going to be a breakout player. I'm not going to reach for that rookie, you know, who is supposed to be really good. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to reach for that guy that had who's been in the league for 5 years and then all of a sudden busted out and was like top 10 in the ESPN player rater and it kind of looked like it came out of nowhere. I'm not reaching for those guys. If somebody wants to take them in round three and four, and I'm not usually, you know, I'm not eyeing them until maybe like rounds five, six, seven, even. I'm gonna let them go. It's just I'm not gonna reach and and risk my team. I mean, this is the foundation of your team. These are the guys that you have to have produce, and if they don't produce, usually you're toast. So I don't take a lot of risk in the in the first few rounds. I try to kick play safe, build a really good foundation, and then, uh, and then you know, we get into the middle of the later rounds. I don't know if you agree with that, AJ, but um, I have a feeling you do because we have drafted together. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, again, it always depends on the league and the type, and we'll get into that. But, I mean, just for, for generalities, I, I think you definitely want to take – a guy that you know is going to produce for you. And he may not necessarily be the best player on the board. I I don't always look at it like I have to take, you know, Mike Trout with my first overall pick. Um, Yes, he's going to be there. But, you know, again, for me, looking at these mid rounds to later rounds, I mean, you're kind of, you kind of got to look at how the drafts moved. Who's, taken what when if there's been a lot of runs on a certain position you kind of need to change your strategy around and and get in on those runs like you don't want those runs to pass you by completely 
and then you're getting, you know, like a, a Lucas Duda as your stud first baseman or something like that. Like <laughs> you've you've already yeah, lost that would be bad. at that point. <laughs> so, I mean, but you know, if I've if I've already locked up, you know, a Goldschmidt or, um, a, you know, a, a Josh Donaldson or, or one of the standout guys at their position then I'm okay waiting to get another one. Certain positions I do feel like you need to kind of load up and get, you know, two of the, of the top 15 guys maybe. Um, just because when injuries come about, you're going to be on the outside looking in, but that's where you can really, you know, pick and choose in these mid to late rounds and, and really build your depth. So that, that's really what I'm looking for in those rounds. And, and I would think that most people are, but, you know, that's also a place where you can really fill out your rotation too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if there's a lot of people that are going after the Scherzers and, you know, even the Verlanders at this point, because he had a nice bounce back season and, you know, was a Cy Young candidate last year. Um, you know, I feel like he might be, looked at a little heavily this year uh, and earlier than he had been in the past couple of years. But there's definitely quality to be had in those, those mid to late rounds uh, in pitching, because really that's going to be the majority of the players, you know, that you're getting, you're, you're going to have one starting first baseman, most likely, unless you play the corner position, uh, you're going to have one starter for all of those main positions, but you have potentially five starting pitchers and and two or three relief pitchers. So, you know, I'm I'm really looking at pitching there and trying to build, build my staff. I mean, definitely reach, not necessarily reach, but go out and get one of these guys that you know can be a good anchor for your staff. But once you start getting into those mid rounds, I mean, pitchers are going to start flying off the boards. And like I said, you definitely don't want to be caught on the bad end of that. Yeah, I agree. And then, you know, just one thing I want to add is something I I do to, I, I do in these rounds is I, I will reach a little bit, not reach may be the wrong word, but I do take some extra risk in the later part of the draft. You know, I'll take guys with a lot of upside. So you want to call it, you know, guys that I think could potentially break out if things go right for them. Um, Because I mean, let's be honest in a 26 man draft, you're round 20 plus who really cares? Like I think more often than not, every single one of those players on my team have been dropped at some in, in all of my leagues. So I'm willing to take a risk on a guy thinking, okay, if this guy hits, then I put myself in a really good position just in case one of my guys that I thought was going to be safe doesn't pan out. Um, and sometimes it's worked most of the time it hasn't, but you know, that's, that's kind of, you, I mean, look, you can play it safe and take these boring guys that are going to get you 50 RBI, bat 260, maybe 12 home runs, but like, what's it going to do for you? Um, you want to try and go for guys that have upside that are going to get 
you know, fly under the radar and pick him up. And, and who knows, you know, you, you can really get some good guys. I mean, Will Myers, I don't think was drafted last year, hardly at all in a bunch of leagues. And look what he did. I mean, these are the types of guys that you need to like go after in the later rounds, guys that have massive upside. So um, they are out there. We'll get to a bunch of them in, in shows coming. Um, but, you know, in the meantime, let's move on here to our draft strategy for category leagues. So category leagues, we're talking head-to-head category leagues is what I'm assuming you meant by this question, AJ. Yeah. Um, yeah, head-to-head, so is, you know, standard 5x5 five five or, or even a 6x6. Six six. Right. You know, nothing nothing like off the wall. So what I look for here is I love balance, but I also like to, I wouldn't say punt categories, but I don't typically chase like steals in this, in this type of a a format. I, you know, I'll, I'll kind of go light on a couple of categories knowing the look in any given week, I only need to win six categories to beat you. So if I load up on hitting and I win four of those categories, then all I have to do is get two pitching categories and it could be ERA and whip, which means I might be going heavy reliever. Uh, It could be strikeouts and wins, which means I'm going heavy strikeout um, pitchers who pitch on relatively good teams. So hopefully I rack up some wins. Um, you know, there's a lot of ways you can play it, but you really just need to realize that you only need to win six categories. So there's ways that you can construct your team that you're just focusing on those categories and those categories only. And I think a lot of times what happens in these leagues and what gets teams in trouble is they try and be too balanced and they're not really good at anything. So, they might go through the season and because they're balanced, they have a good record. They make the playoffs, but then once they get to the playoffs, they're not really strong enough in, in enough categories to beat out the good teams, the other good teams. And then they lose in the playoffs. Like my teams have done it plenty of times um, where I'm, I, it almost looks like I have a dominant team throughout the season because I'm just, I'm just good across the board but I'm not great at anything. And then I get to the playoffs and I kind of falter. So that's how I go about it in category leagues. Now is I've kind of realized I need to, I I need to focus heavier on certain categories. If I'm going to go after power, I need to go after power. If I'm going to go after pitching, I need to go after pitching and, and you almost have to forget about the other categories. Don't completely forget about them. Like, you don't want to be a zero steals guy because, look, you never know with categories like that. It can be really random. Um, you can win with two steals some, some weeks in, you know, in today's baseball. But um, So that's the way I approach categories now, and, and you know, especially in head-to-head leagues. So. Yeah, I mean, with me, I, I, I'll, I'll dig into points here in a second, but I agree. I mean, I think with the categories, you can 
look at things where you're like, you know what, I'm going to go for uh, some of these guys, like a Chris Carter is a perfect example, whose average is atrocious, but he's solid power numbers. And he's going to help you in those categories. If you want to punt average. Just signed with the Yankees, by the way. That's a beautiful landing spot for him. I mean, <laughs> I really think it is. Um, I, he's a guy that I would target, again, in probably some of those later rounds. I mean, he can he could be had pretty cheap. I mean, he might not even be drafted. Um, but now he's with the Yankees, that, that might change. But, I mean, that, that's what I look at when I'm looking at categories. But – you know, rolling into points leagues, it's a little different because you're still looking at what categories you want, but how that translates into how many points you get. So I think with points leagues, going after that best player available is really a, a, a solid way to go and, and you can have a, a good successful winning team that's going to get you a lot of points um, if you follow that that plan um, but again I think with points leagues the biggest things that you really need is power guys power guys and shut down pitchers that, that aren't going to hit you with, with negative fives you know with a lot of losses um, you know, your power guys are going to get you those home run points. They're going to get you those RBI points. They're going to get you those runs. You know, that's three categories that they're collecting points on for you, um, you know, with one swing of a bat. So that's the biggest strategy that I look at when I'm looking at my points leagues. But, but even beyond that, the best thing you can do is know your league's settings. Before you yes. even go into your draft, you absolutely need to know what the settings are and what the points are. Because, you know, I, I, I'm in a league where we've changed the point structure around to try to make pitching a little less heavy, and we made batting a lot more heavy. But I'm very interested to see how that's going to translate into this year's draft. Because in past years, as I've mentioned numerous times on this show, we talk about, you know, how everybody just goes out and the first round is super pitcher heavy because of all the points that, that the pitchers accrue and, and the points that they don't necessarily lose for you. Like, that, that's, that's the big thing for me. Know your league settings, and then once you can do that and, and – use that to your advantage, that's how you can gauge what you want to draft. But mm-hmm. I mean, agree, man. once, once you get into that though, like I said, power and lockdown pitching, if you're, if your pitchers get hit with only a negative two or three, as opposed to like a standard, I think negative five for a loss. I mean, that's huge. You can actually go out and get some of those mid-level guys that they're still going to get you points with the wins, but they're also not going to kill you if they take a loss. Like yeah. Rick Porcello pre-Cy Young was <laughs> horrendous. And he, he absolutely destroyed teams because of his, his losses and, and, you know, just poor play. But last year he was a completely different pitcher and he broke out and he was probably on 
a handful of teams that won their championship and because he helped them win. So pitching and power is king in points leagues in my, in my opinion. Typically. Yeah. And, and, and I'll just, I want to just close out that a little bit before I get into the Roto league by saying I've won three points leagues and I've only ever been in three points leagues. So, <laughs> and the reason why is because I, I basically abuse the rules. Like I find where I'm going to be able to collect the most points from. The first time I ever did a points league, uh, it was ridiculous. It was like you got a single, you got a, you got a point for a hit, a two, you know, two points for a double, three points for a triple, but then you also got points for total bases. So a home run was also a, an extra point. So a home run, a solo home run was 11 points or 10 points. You had any extra players on base and it was like 12, 13 you know, points. A home run was that many points. It was ridiculous. So I loaded up on all these guys who were just going to crush like 30, 40 home runs. And I destroyed everybody. Um, so you set league. up a league where you had you as the commish. I know. I wasn't no commissioner. no one else in the league. And you <laughs> picked guys from Baltimore right. and Toronto. And you killed that league. Yes. <laughs> you know it. I played with my daughter and her stuffed animals. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it was like nah, a tea party. The past I've been in, the first, year, the first year we did it, there was no innings limit per week. It was like 300 innings a week. It was silly. Um, so I just, I had like 25 starting pitchers. It felt like, and I just, even though I have like half, half my guys would lose every week. I had so many guys that would make up for it. It wouldn't matter. Like I had so many innings. I had terrible pitchers on my team. Didn't matter. Um, then last year was, was the same league. We dropped the innings limit and it, it kind of didn't matter. Uh, it didn't get dropped enough, but like, still, that's the thing. That's the point is focus on the rules um, and figure out like the big thing with pitching that you didn't bring up is the points per inning. Some, some leagues do 0.1 per out. Some do 0.3 per out. Some do one point per out. So even if your guy goes like seven innings has negative one, you know, so seven innings, three points, 21 points, minus, say, minus five for a loss, even if he loses, that's still you're working with, what, 16 points? You add a couple strikeouts. Unless he got absolutely shelled, he's probably netting you positive points just for going deep into a game. That's crucial. And that's, that's the problem. That's why pitching rules with points leagues. Well, and yeah, that's, well, that's that, why that pitching rules with points leagues is – your pitchers may score less points overall during the season than like your really, really good hitters, but because of their potential for going 20, 25 points in a single outing in a given week, if you're doing head to head points, then it trumps, it makes it that much more important to get that big blow up. Or if he goes twice in a week, those two blow up games from your pitcher, than it is to have that consistent good hitter. Those guys are important too, but they're not as important. Not as important. 
Um, so just keep that in mind at points leagues. Now, roto leagues, rotisserie leagues, um, you know, these are these are fairly similar to category leagues, but there's this is where I want to go more balanced. I know a lot of people say in roto leagues, like, oh, I'm just going to punt this category. I don't really think you can. And I've read articles where you they they do the math for you, and it's like if you punt a category, meaning you're getting one point at the end of the season for that category, you in order to win the league, you basically have to be top three in every other category on average, top three in every other category. Um, that's hard to do. Uh, so in my opinion, you never want to punt a category in a rotisserie league. Uh, you just you just can't do it. It's too hard to do. Uh, the nice thing about rotisserie leagues is if you have a late season injury, it's not going to screw you as bad as a head to head points league or a head to head categories league. Because um, hopefully, you know, you've say you're winning home runs by 30, you lose, you know. Stanton the last three weeks of the season hopefully you can maintain a 30 home run lead or something like that you know like those are the types of things that that's what's nice about rotisserie leagues is it's all season and and that's something you really have to consider um the other thing with with rotisserie is I don't think pitching is quite as important in drafts because it's a it's a full season of starts so you you can balance things back out by you can really stream pitchers I think easier in rotisserie leagues because after a while your ERA is going to get to a point where it's not really fluctuating so much I think you know you want to get a good base of an ERA and a WHIP um, but then you can you can level off like you can really just kind of stream the hot guys the hot pitchers early on and just get a really good base of, of those of, of ERA and whip. Um, you can't ignore it. You, like I said, you can't go ninth round, 10th round and pick your first pitcher. Like I've seen people do it and you're like, what are you doing? Like you're getting garbage at this point. Yeah. You're going to find some gems later in the drafts. Absolutely. But you're not going to have enough good pitchers in order to be competitive. Um, but you, you need to be competitive in every single category. Um, so it's, it's one of those things where I think balance is key. Um, but you also do need to, to be a little heavier in some categories so you can actually try and go win them. You need to, you need to be top two or three in a, in a few categories. You can't be middle of the road and everything. Um, so it, it, it's, it's hard to kind of, I don't know if I'm really doing a great job of explaining it, but you know, you have to have balance, but you have to be, the best at a couple different categories, you know, like hopefully you've gone heavy power, but you can't ignore steals. Like go get one or two guys that's sitting on your bench. That's going to steal you 20 bases. And that's going to be enough, you know, to be competitive because there's going to be teams that have 15 steals at the end of the season and that's it. So um, that's, that's my take on, on Roto leagues. I don't know if you want to add anything else. Yeah, just real quick. I mean, I I don't I I I don't have any leagues that I'm in currently that I play roto, and it's been 
a handful of years since I've been in one. Um, but with the pitching, I, I think, like you said, you, you mentioned you can you can still find some gems a little bit later in the draft. Um, and I agree with that to a point. But, you know, you, and this really goes for all leagues, not just Roto, but I think it'll affect you the most in Roto since it's basically the entire season you're looking at and working against. You know, some of these gems are, are these guys that might be younger, like a, I don't know, maybe a Sonny Gray, um, you know, guys that that will put up good stats early on in the year, and then they might have like a down game here or there, but then they'll just start to fade a little bit because they're younger, they're not used to the workloads, um, or they could be a guy that is in the talk of having an innings limit already anyways. So, I mean, those are guys you got to watch out for. And obviously you can always pick them up and try to trade them. I think it's, it's harder to try to trade guys like that in Roto because everybody's looking at the same thing and thinking, hey, this is a season-long thing. This guy's had a hot streak. He's bound to cool off. Uh, you know, why, why am I going to go after him in a trade? Unless you really have faith in that guy that he's going to pull through and, and he's going to maintain the rest of the season. Um, again, I feel like that happens more to, to pitching than in batting, but there, there's probably guys that, that will be affected by that in batting as well. Um, but just, just something to keep in mind, you know, I feel like it's probably easier to trade in the other two major leagues than it is in Roto. And I could be wrong on that. Again, I haven't played in a Roto league in quite some time, but just from when I used to play in them, that's, that's kind of how I saw that it. it was almost impossible to try to trade guys. So once you got your team, you had to be balanced. And, and if you weren't, it was hard to try to find that balance with trades. You really had to be on top of the waiver wire and trying to ride hot streaks with, with hitters and stuff like that. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, you also got to be, um, You've got to, you've got to be patient with guys in in roto leagues because it is all season long too. Um, there's, but you can't be afraid to just bench them if they suck. Yeah. But you don't want to just drop them either, because um, you're not worried about just one week. You're worried about the entire season. So that's oh, something yeah. to keep in mind. Well, so that pretty much wraps up the draft strategy stuff. Um. And we'll probably touch on some draft strategy when it comes to specific positions in the coming shows, but that's kind of the overall strategy for the different styles of leagues. So the next topic that we wanted to get into, which is more just an informational thing for you, um, is position eligibility. So every year we get guys that lose or, yeah, I don't know, gaining eligibility is really the the right word, but because they obviously gained it last year, but it's going to be guys that didn't have it at the start of last year that now have it because of last year, but it's not mean it's not really the position that you expect to see them in. Um, I've got a list here and it's a fantastic list. I, I'll give all the credit to Rotowire here on, uh, on putting this list together. Um, Derek Van Ripper, fantastic, uh, fantasy baseball player um 
he put this together and it is phenomenal. It's, it's huge. Uh, I, I, we should have put a link to it in the show. I don't really know why we didn't. And I'll, I'll go back and change yeah. that in the, in the, in the notes of the show. I'll put, I'll put the link to this cause that's, that's only fair to give them credit for this. So, um, oh, you know, just, just some guys. Awesome yeah. I mean, it's something I'm going to use like when I'm kind of, you know, putting my draft notes together, you know, just some guys here that, that I noticed at the top, the top here is, uh, Alice, Alex Bregman, he is, uh, he's no longer going to be shortstop. Uh, I, I think last year he had like a ton of eligibility according to this list. It looks like he might've had some second base, some shortstop and outfield, but um, he now is only third base. So that's, that's definitely something you have to consider. I think a lot of people were thinking he was going to have uh, shortstop eligibility, but he does not. So it's only third base. So in my opinion, that kind of hurts his draft stock. Um, uh, Matt Carpenter is a big name who lost a bunch of eligibility. He's only going to be second base eligibility now. Although I would bet, and maybe this gets into one of our, our final topics. Now that I'm looking at it, I think he is going to gain first base back at some point during the season. Uh, I think he's going to get some time there uh, with that really crowded infield that they've got there. They're going to have to move some people around. They're already talking about giving Colton Wong another chance at second base. So that kind of forces Carpenter over to first because they've got Diaz and they've got Peralta and they've still got Giorgio. So they're going to have to figure out some way to get Carpenter's bat in there. And first base is kind of it. So, I mean, they're going to play him over Matt Adams any day. Um, Another big one here is Ian Desmond. He no longer has shortstop eligibility. He only has outfield. Um, and he's another one of those guys that it's going to probably gain some eligibility during the season, probably really early on. You know, he signed in Colorado. He's looking like he's going to be a first baseman there unless they sign somebody, but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case now unless I've, unless I've missed something, but I, I don't think it, I don't think it's the case. Um, Oh, Evan Gallus. Evan, yeah, I'm looking at Joey Gallo and Evan Gaddis. So Evan Gaddis, uh, he was a utility player only last year, which kind of hurt his draft stock. You know, it's hard to own those utility only guys unless they're just complete beasts. Um, but he's going to have his catcher eligibility back, which is going to help him get drafted in every league. I mean, if you can have a catcher who's going to play as much as he should play because he's DH basically, then uh, that, that's that's pretty big. Um, the top name on this list is uh, Manny Machado. The top name on this list, absolutely, is Manny Machado. Um, he is keeping his shortstop eligibility because of Hardy's extended absence last year. He got a whopping 45 games in his shortstop, and that's huge. Not that he wasn't already a first-round pick in, in every draft uh, but now you know you might be able to slide them up a little bit farther just because it's it's still somewhat of a position of scarcity at shortstop although not as much as in the past um, but having him be shortstop eligibility might make you think oh I'll take him over you know a Donaldson or, or somebody like that that he's really close to because maybe you can get a, a really good third baseman later that you're comfortable with. Um, you know, we just mentioned Johnny Peralta. He's third base only now. 
Um, Hanley Ramirez is first base only. He had outfield, so that's actually kind of a knock on his his uh, his draft stock. Um, Yosmani Tomas, he lost his third base eligibility, so he's only outfield now. I think that that's going to hurt him a little bit too, although I'll say he – he wasn't going to really be at the top of any of my lists when it comes to either of those positions. But um, if he had the third base eligibility, then it was probably going to slide him up a little bit, although that's a really deep position. So I don't know how much it really would have mattered. Um, the last guy I want to add here is, is Trey Turner. Um, he's got second base and this is listing outfield. I don't know if I even realized that until just now, but he lost his shortstop eligibility. And this is the last guy I'm, I'm able to mention that I'm aware of who's going to gain eligibility back almost immediately. Uh, most leagues, it's 10 games to gain eligibility at a position for the current season. Trey Turner is going to be the top shortstop, is going to be the starting shortstop. Um, for for the Nationals, so <clears throat> that is that's going to be pretty big for him. Is something you need to consider when when drafting him. So AJ, I, I, I mean, I I went to the list pretty quickly here. I don't, don't know if there's a couple extra guys that you want to mention. Uh, yeah, give me a minute. I'll. Uh... I'll jump in there. I mean, a couple of guys I had on there was uh, Miguel Sano. I don't was he the first guy you mentioned or no? I heard you saying third base. I got a crying baby with me though. So hold on. Jeez. <laughs> are you running uh, solo tonight? <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'm not. I just gotta uh, step in for a minute. So. Um, all right. Well, yeah, I, I mean, then, I, I can I can finish off here if you got things going on here. So. Yeah, it's cool. Um, like I said, Miguel Sano, um, he has gained third base and outfield, um, which he came oh, yeah. in with third base two two years ago um, in his rookie year. And then um, last year he lost it and was only utility to start the season. Um, right. But then once he got up, he was he was playing well, and then they had him bouncing around between third and outfield, and he gained both of those. So, that definitely helps his draft stock. Yeah, that's huge. He is absolutely going to be, you know, moving up in in drafts, I feel like, because of that alone. Um, Javi Baez is another guy who gained shortstop eligibility. Um, he already had second base and third base. So, I mean, he's really just any kind of utility guy that you would need. You know, you can swing him around anywhere, you know, either of the corner outfield spots you have on a roster or, or just regular starting position. So I think because of his strong postseason, people are going to be looking at him a little bit, you know, earlier than most. Um, so we'll see, you know, how that pans out for him. I do like his draft stock going up a little bit though. Um, and, uh, uh, who else did I have listed there? Yeah, uh, looks like Castro uh, was another guy. Yeah, Castro was another one um, who was uh, who was bouncing out. So, hold on one sec. 
<laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, as you can see, there's a bunch of guys here who, you know, are, are gaining eligibility. You may not even realize it yet. I mean, I know it's early. So, you know, when you're, when you're drafting uh, these positions, you know, keep this in mind um, when you're going through rankings and things like that. Uh, these, these guys that, that gain these positions that they don't normally have, um, the, the last guy that I did not mention, and I didn't mention this guy on purpose, is Kyle Schwarber. Um, this is quite the controversy. So, it, you know, if, if I take a look at his fan grass page here, you look at him in 2015 when he got the call up, uh, he played oh where are they um, so he oh man I thought I had it uh, and of course my computer does not want to do what I want it to do right now alright sorry about that where, oh, uh, Schwarber, Schwarber yeah Schwarber played oh, Schwarber. yeah Schwarber played exactly 20 games at catcher and 39 games, well, 39, 42, 42 games in the outfield. So because he got hurt last year fairly quickly, uh, if it wasn't the first game, I think, he got, um, he got in most leagues relegated to outfield only. Um, and then game two, he got hurt. Then, and to me, it's to me it's weird. Like I've always read that if you didn't play enough games to even gain eligibility at a certain position the year before because of injury, you look at the year before it, and it's usually a twenty-game cutoff. And he had catcher, and he had outfield. Most sites are not giving him catcher back. They're leaving him at outfield. And AJ, you and I had this discussion we were, when we were talking about setting up the show and talking about this topic. I mentioned mm-hmm. Schorber immediately. And yeah. Yahoo is the only one giving him catcher eligibility back. And to me, they're right. But I have heard from you, it was a huge debate on Twitter, and I just read everything. There are so many people that are going, no, Yahoo, you're wrong. He didn't play enough games. He played games last year in the outfield. He didn't gain enough eligibility. But, like, that's not the way that the rules read on these sites. It goes back to the year before if they didn't play enough games due to injury. Um, so it's, it's just weird to me that, nobody else is giving it back to him and maybe it'll change, but I think it's kind of late in the game to be doing that. I mean, ESPN's making their switch over now. Um, so maybe when it comes back, we'll find out ESPN gave it to him too. Um, but right now Yahoo is the only one who did it. And I think other sites um, like, um, like fan, um, oh man, what do we do? Fan our tracks fan tracks like those sites are not giving it to him and yeah I, so you're I, really I just, gonna have to pay attention to schwarber in your leagues and find out what his position eligibility is 
Um, it's going to depend. It's not going to be anywhere close to consistent across the board. So, and yeah, I, and I'm I just think with, at, he is outfield um, only on fan tracks. Oh, outfield and utility, but who cares? Um, so yeah, he's outfield. They didn't give it to him. That's so weird to me. It just doesn't make any sense. Now I think yeah I part of I don't know why they would not, not gonna play it. catcher. I think I think part of it is he's not gonna play catcher. Well, he wants to play catcher though. Yeah, but he's not going to. That's the thing. But he's not going uh, to. Yeah, and I think I, that's part of it. But that's not the way it should work. That's not the way their rules read. Yeah, we'll I think that he should have it, does it. And he he might gain it back. I, I think that it, it is going to be interesting to see what ESPN does because I, I feel like they probably are the biggest uh, fantasy sports site. So if they do it, then maybe some of these other sites will follow suit and switch it, um, which would be interesting. But I I think that he's going to gain it back in the season. I mean, I think he's going to play that 10 games. It may not be that early, um, so you, you really shouldn't bank on it. But, I mean, I could see it happening for sure. Uh, but anyway. We, 10 we can... games. I mean, yeah, they, they did lose uh, David Ross. Uh yeah, but Ross is gone. Montero's not happy. So, um, you know, they got Contreras there still. But, I mean, I, I think he'll be more of a fill-in. Or, or if there's an injury to one of those other two guys, you know, he's the obvious choice because he's already played the position. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's just, that's just an interesting one. It, it's definitely um... – like I said, it's definitely something you're going to have to keep an eye on. So um, let's move on here. The last topic that we've got here is prospects. And I feel like we could honestly have um, a whole show on prospects. And, and we will, I promise, talk about some prospects a, a little more in depth at each position. Um, but, you know, we wanted to kind of cover it from a, an overall um, uh, view of, of things here. And, you know, honestly, I want to say this first with the prospects. I tend to not draft these guys who have never even stepped on the field or have that have played one or two games or, you know, like just a handful of games. These guys that are just they're still babies really like when it comes to the game of baseball um i tend not to take these guys in drafts now if they get called up in the middle of the season and i got garbage sitting at the end of my the end of my bench sure why not i'll take a chance who knows like look we've seen it happen many many times these guys get called up and they're incredible um the way that prospects at least in the leagues that i'm in and I'm pretty sure the same thing with a lot of the leagues that you're in. We know who these guys are so much now, and we hear about them because we do all the research. So I kind of think in, in our leagues, they get overhyped, and then they get overdrafted. You know, I've seen guys where 
prospects are getting drafted in round 12. And you're like, what? It's crazy. Um, now, I mean, yeah, two years ago, I was dead wrong on Chris Bryant. You know, I thought, no way. I'm never taking him where he's going. He was going around like six or something like that. And I was dead wrong on him. He got called up after like a week and a half. And it was like, hello, this guy's like amazing. Um, so I was dead wrong. Look, I'm not ever going to say I'm never, I'm, I'm not wrong, but I just tend not to go to, because we see, we see it happen too many times. These guys get caught up and they just, you know, deer and headlights, they just are overmatched big time. And so I will preface that this whole conversation with that, but there are some guys that I typically like that if you can get them in the last few rounds that Absolutely. I'll take a chance on them, but that's about where I'm going to get these guys. And most likely I won't get them because of they kind of get overdrafted. Um, so Mankata and I'm going to murder this last name, Ben Taniti. Um, ben, these are the Ben top... Intendi. Ben Intendi. Doesn't Sinshu too here. All right. Ben Intendi. Yes. Anyway, these right, these are the top right. guys. Um, so, what can we expect from them? Uh, you know, I'll, I'll touch with Mikata, and maybe you can do Ben Attendee. Um, Mikata here, the, I mean, this guy is, I mean, he's supposed to be like the next Mike Trout, is what they're calling him. You know, the infielder, the infield of Mike Trout. He can run, he can hit, he can do everything. This guy is amazing. He blew up in the minors. He's 21 years old. He got a little bit of major league uh, uh, experience last season. Uh, not so great, but I don't, neither was Trout. So <laughs> maybe it's exactly what he needed was to come in and just get worked. So, look, I think this guy is going to be great. Um, it's a matter of when. I don't think he's going to play right away unless he just – unless he hits like 500 in spring and hits 15 home runs during the spring. Like, I just don't think he's going to crack the opening day roster. Um, that said, he'll probably be up, I'm guessing, June-ish time range. So – if you want to draft him, you're just going to have to realize you're going to have to hold on to him. Now, dynasty leagues, you know, he could easily go in the first few rounds just because you know you're going to have him forever, most likely. Um, and he's going to be, from the looks of things, he's going to be amazing. Um, but in, in normal redraft leagues, I'm kind of shying away from him because, you know, best case scenario, it's June. And then even then, you just never know. You just never know with these guys. He could get overmatched again. I mean, look how much we all bought into Byron Buxton for so many years, and it just never worked until, like, last September. So, anyway, what you got on Ben Attendee? Yeah, I I think with Ben Attendee, I mean, this guy came up last year, and he only had 105 at-bats. You know, two homers, one stolen base, uh, an 835 OPS, 10 walks, and, and 25 Ks. 
but he had a 295 average. So he was getting on base, um, you know, I, and his, his minor league stats were, you know, obviously he had a, a lot more stolen bases, but he had three plus times as many at bats. So, you know, the stolen bases I think will come. Um, I'm not too worried about that. Um, he, he's just a low strikeout guy and, and a good, I'm going to get on base. I mean, he, he's, he's going to start the season. I mean, I'd be very surprised if he did not start on their, their opening day roster. Um, I mean, he, he seems to be entrenched as their, their left fielder, um, you know, and, and people are comparing him to Andrew McCutcheon. Um, right. You know, he's got excellent contact skills. He's got great plate discipline. Like I said, he, he doesn't strike out a lot. Um, he doesn't walk a lot either, but, you know, that's because he's hitting the ball. He's getting on base. So, you know, I think he's going to be – I think he's going to be targeted – I don't want to say early, but I would say early as far as prospects. He's definitely going to be one of the top off the board, if not the top one off the board. I think yeah. people are going to draft him well over Moncada because he's there and he's going to start. Um, yeah, I you know, agree. Moncada, like you said, is probably off till June. I mean, he came up last year and, and – he didn't do squat when he was here. I mean, he, he struck out in 60%, 60 plus percent of his, his 19 at bats. Um, you know, in the minors, he was at more of a, you know, about half of that, uh, closer to a 31% clip at striking out, which, which still, still isn't, isn't good. great. No. So, I mean, he's got to get better on his plate discipline. Ben and Tendy's already, already there with that. So, right. And he's only a year older. You would like to see, yeah. I mean, you would like to see some better power numbers out of Benintendi. But if he's, you know, that guy that's going to help your average, maybe throw in a couple stolen bases, and you know, he has a ceiling for for double digit home runs at least. So, you know, uh, or not ceiling. I'm sorry, a floor for double digit homers. I think with a full season under his belt. The only, the only fear is whether or not he's going to fall into that epic sophomore slump. I don't think he will personally. Um, so we'll see what happens. I, I, I will be looking for him personally. I, I like the kid. I think he's, he's got a bright future. Yeah. Yeah. He, he's, in my opinion, he's going to be the first prospect batter off the board I, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be um we don't want to you know we don't have a ton of time to get into uh, like in depth with with a lot of these guys but some of the other batters that i that i like um as far as draftable guys would be uh dansby swanson um I like Hunter Renfro. He's a little bit farther down the list on a lot of people, but I mean, this guy came up last year and smashed the ball. I mean, and he's gonna like, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't just start the year in San Diego. Um, the guy's going to look, he's going to probably strike out a bunch low average, but he's going to smash the ball. I mean, that's, that's what he's there for. Um, so uh, I, I, 
I mean, look, I think a lot of people are going to probably look at his batting average last year when he came up late and it's like 371. No, that's just not going to happen. Um, but, you know, he was hitting the ball really well. And, um, you know, he, he, he hit the ball really well in the minors too. So he's a guy that I'm looking at. Now, as far as pitching, there's a bunch of guys here. And, and, and I, I kind of want to get into depth on, on one or two of them. You know, I'll let you pick which two we talk about most, AJ. But, you know, there's Lucas Giolito. Okay. There's Tyler Glasnow. There's um, – let's see here. There's oh – God, there's so many guys, I feel like. Um, Alex Reyes. Yeah, Alex Reyes. Thank you. Um, yeah, there's just so – De, De Leon. Yeah, De Leon is they're, another they're one. Um, I, I mean, the two, the I, two I think we should talk about. I would say we talk about the first class now. Yeah. Yeah. So my favorite out of all these guys, and I liked him last year, but it just, they waited forever to call him up. It felt like was Tyler glass now. And um, I know the fears with him is control still there. He walks way too many guys, but this dude, if he could just cut his walks in half would be, amazing because he's going to strike out almost everybody that he faces. It seems like, I mean, he's six foot eight. He, he delivers a 98 mile per hour fastball, like 10 feet from the plate. Like it's impossible to hit, but he can't control it. And that's his problem right now. Um, I mean, he struck out 144 batters in 116 and two thirds inning in the minors. That's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> he came up last year and even though he had a high whip, and of not a great ERA, he still struck out over nine per nine. So the strikeouts are going to be there. You know, if if the pitching coach in Pittsburgh is going to be the magic man that everybody says he is, then Tyler Glasnow is going to be something special this year. And he's going to be a guy that if he falls – Somewhere toward the late end of the draft, I'm going to take a chance on him because I think he's going to start the season in Pittsburgh uh, unless he just completely melts in the spring. Uh, I think he's going to start in that rotation and he's going to have every chance to stay in that rotation for the entire season. Yeah, I like Glass now a lot. Um, I, I mean, he was the guy – that was supposed to be up ahead of Jameson Tyon, but he wasn't. Tyon came up and, and he pitched pretty well. Yeah. Um, he pitched awesome last year. And yeah. So, I mean, he's no longer a prospect in my mind. He, he's there. He's in the rotation and yep. glass now is the one that's got to come up and, and make the waves to, to get in. So, I, I think he will too. Um, Giolito, I really like his. Uh, I really like his situation now. I mean, he's coming over to the White Sox. Um, you know, he, he's pitching in. You know, going from the NL to the AL, so he loses out on pitching two other pitchers. Um, I mean, he had just under three ERA. You know, a, a decent WHIP at one two eight. And, uh, and and all that 116 Ks in just under 116 innings pitched. 
Mm-hmm. Um, walks were probably a little higher than you'd like to see at 44. This is all his minor league stats, by the way. Um, and that was low, low class A, double A, and triple A. Um, but then he also came up and he did pitch with Washington last year. Did not pitch well. Um, no. He only had 11 Ks in 21 and a third innings, had 12 walks in that same span, 675 ERA and a 178 whip. That's got to be better. Um, I, I mean, he he's coming into a White Sox team that's in full-on rebuild mode. So I do expect him to fall between his minor and major league stats. Obviously, that's not that hard to do, but – I mean, I can project him at, at just over, you know, a, a, maybe a 3-2 ERA or something like that. I do think the whip will stay around where he was in the minors because um, he's still facing a, a, a strong Detroit team, uh, you know, um, step away, game away from winning the World Series Indians team. Um, so it's not like he's in the easiest division, but if I was going to the AL – that that is a division I think I could be okay going to. Yeah. My question with him is, you know, when are the White Sox going to bring him back up? You know, are they just going to wait him out? Same with, same with Mikata. I mean, they've got both of them now. So it's, you know, are they just going to like wait for these guys, let them, let them grow a little bit more before they bring them up. And, you know, because sometimes it's almost like football, like you don't want to start, your court, you know, your rookie quarterback too early because you could ruin him. You know, if you throw these guys in there too early and they're not ready, you can ruin them. So, yeah, you know, it's it's just a question of when he's going to get the call up. You know, and honestly, because of that, and we didn't mention him too much, but honestly, because of the the worries that we have with Giolito and Glasnow possibly not starting the year, um, Alex Reyes could very well possibly, you know, could very well be the best draft day prospect pitcher that you have because he is, I think, more entrenched into that, into that rotation. Um, He came up last year and utterly dominated. And so it would be a total shock if he didn't get a rotation spot. Uh, Now the Cardinals are weird and they just do things that nobody else seems to do. But, uh, you know, he he's he's a guy that I think you can you can draft later on and expect to get fairly early uh, returns on. So that's that's something to keep in mind. Now, some guys, you know, I, I mentioned there's guys that I wouldn't draft uh, unless it's a dynasty league. That's a totally separate situation. Um, but guys that I would definitely keep an eye on and when they finally do get the call up or, you know, if they start playing well early on because they, they actually get the, the nudge after spring, uh, then, you know, I'd pull the trigger on them. And a couple of guys that I wrote down and I think you'll, you'll like this first one here, man, is uh JP Crawford, the shortstop for the Phillies. You know, th- this guy, you know, he's, not gonna have a lot of power, but you know he's gonna be able to run. Good contact, you know, fairly decent contact hitter. Uh, and it's not gonna be anything great, but like, look, if you swing and miss on these top shortstops, Crawford's a guy that you can get, 
and you know just to get some some cheap speed and in in today's game speed is going to be missing on a lot of people's teams so that's that's something to look at uh we we kind of mentioned daily on uh i i don't know when he's going to get the call up but i i don't see why the rays really wait on this guy anymore um He's already 24. It's time to get him up. If if you think you're going to trade for him like that, um, a guy that I like a lot, and I've got him on my dynasty team. I kind of thought he'd he'd come up last year um, with with Josh Hader, um, Brewers pitcher, uh, pitched very very well in Double A, came up to Triple A, um, or no no, pitched very well at Double A, and then like a below one ERA in double a totally sick. That's why I'm surprised he didn't get the call up. Uh, but when he played in the Pacific coast league, it was, he ballooned. And I mean, that's just somewhat be expected, but it was like bad ballooned. It was like five and a half. So uh, he needs to obviously smooth out some things before he gets a call up. But I think when he does, he's going to be something special. A couple other guys here, um, Aaron judge, for the the Yankees, uh, he's going to be a guy that he could actually get a spot right out of the gate. Um, so he's, he's somebody that you might be able to draft late, but, but batting average is going to be a scare with him and strikeouts big time. He's a big strikeout guy. So if, you know, wait to see kind of what he does. And somebody really under the radar is David Paulino. Um, I think... This guy, you know, pitched very well in the minors, came up and struggled in the majors last year. Um, but, you know, he he's probably going to go back down to the minors to start the year. But, you know, maybe he'll get some things smoothed out and come up and just play like he did in the minors. I mean, he had a two ERA in the minors last year. So and he he's definitely shown that he can get it done in the minors. So do you have anybody else you want to add to this list here? Um, yeah, I definitely like the Crawford pick, obviously, because I'm a homer, but uh, also because I, I think he's definitely the real deal. Uh, I mean, he was the guy that they had in, in the wings that they knew, okay, well, we can get rid of, you know, Jimmy Rollins. He's definitely on the downside of his career, and now he's out of baseball as far as I know. I think his last team was the White Sox, maybe. Um but Crawford definitely has a chance to come up with the big league if, you know, early, if not, you know, coming up to start. Um, but, you know, Clint Frazier is another guy I, I really liked last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think he, now that he's with the Yankees organization, they may wait on him a little bit longer um, than, than they'd like to. Uh, or, or then, you know, his previous team, I believe he was with the Indians beforehand. Um, so I think he had a better chance to get up with the Indians earlier. Um, I know Josh Bell has, has had some mm-hmm. some high praise and whatnot. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. The Pirates are they, – I mean, they need they need first base, I feel like, so – he could oh, definitely yeah. be on that opening day roster. Um, and, and he does yeah. have a little bit of experience after getting called up last year. 
I'm trying to find the other guy that was on here. Austin Meadows I like as well. Bradley Zimmer is the one with the Indians now. Um, He may not make it up till late this year. Um, You know, he was still in AA and AAA last year. He he is 24 years old. Um, You know, his average is a little low, but he's got some solid power numbers. He's definitely a base stealer. Um, Strikeouts are super high, though. He has zero plate discipline. Um, I mean, he's he's been compared to Grady Sizemore, so if that means anything, I don't know if that's an mm-hmm. insult or a, or praise at this point. Um, you know, Hopefully but as far as dynasty, <laughs> yeah, exactly. As far as dynasty goes, you know, Brendan Rogers was a guy that was definitely targeted a lot last year in dynasty drafts. Uh, Gleber Torres was with the Cubs. You know, but they have oh, yeah. such a glut of infield prospects. You know, they shipped him off to the Yankees. So I, I really like him as a Yankee. Um, you had mentioned uh, Aaron Judge. Uh, you know, he should start the year with, with the Yankees, I would think, as well, because he, he came up, you know, a little before the September call-ups, I believe, last year. Um, but he, he's he's a monster. He's a huge, huge guy. So, if he can wrap into his uh, his plate discipline and, and cut back on the strikeouts, he's going to be a huge power guy. But a guy that I really like in Dynasty as well is uh, Raphael Devers. Um, mm, yeah, we're talking about him, you know, the, the nice infield combo, third base, second base, with him and Moncada before Moncada got traded. Um, I mean, the guy's only 20 years old, 282 batting average in, in – over 500, just over 500 at bats in uh, high class A. 11 homers, 18 stolen bases, you know, 40 walks, 94 Ks. You know, that's not that's not bad horrible for, for 503 at bats and being only 20 years uh, of age. So I I I, I don't know. There some scouts are saying that you know he still has some convincing to do to draw some comparisons to, to Beltre, but, you know, he's definitely a guy that's, that's probably not coming up anytime soon. No, um, not, not this year. Not, not at all. So, I mean, you know, I, I would think if anything, I don't even think he, he'd be a September call up this year. He's just still too yeah, young. I'd, he's I'd got too surprised. much to work on. I'd be surprised. But I definitely like him for dynasty in, you know, in the years to come. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot that, of guys you, know, you can pick in Tennessee. If you've got, you know, Moniak is another one. Like, you know, you've got these guys who, you know, they're, they're not going to be up for a couple of years, but you get the minor league spots. You know, there's no reason not to hang on to these guys. But, I mean, that's it for the show today. Um, you know, for the following weeks, we're going to be going through the position previews starting next Wednesday, same time. Uh, We're going to be starting with the catchers and first base position previews. So make sure you stay, uh, make sure you come back and listen to that one. Um, I want to finish out by saying, and I, I meant to say this at the beginning, I am super excited to announce a new uh, launch new redesign of fantasy six pack.net. It was 
it's been a long time coming. I meant to do it. Honestly, I meant to do it last year. I uh, just never got around to it. I had way too much on my plate with moving and, you know, taking on extra responsibilities elsewhere. So uh, I finally cut back on a lot of things, got settled here at home, got settled at work a little more and was able to find some time to do my redesign just in time for the Super Bowl. And, uh, you know, it, it's mobile friendly now, responsive all over the place. So it looks nice on any device that you that you are on. It's way better organized. I'm very, very happy with it. I, I would be interested to hear any feedback anybody has. So hit me up on Twitter with it. Um, and we're always looking for, for new writers. So, you know, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, golf, whatever we are looking for writers all around so hit us up there's a contact us page uh you know it goes right to me and so i'll respond to you uh but yeah let's uh you know everybody take a look let us know what you think and uh make sure you come back next week for the start of the position previews so that's all i've got man you want to finish out with anything or yeah, I just wanted to uh, echo the congrats on getting the, the new site up and running. You know, the, the mobile friendliness of it is fantastic now. Um, and, and, you know, that's where it needed to go, honestly, because so many people are on smartphones or, or tablets looking at stuff. It's not as, uh, you know, as much of a laptop and got, desktop world anymore. And everybody's on the go. So, yeah, finally got rid of that dreaded not mobile friendly uh status underneath our page on Google. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was so, always killing me, man. I hated it. Site's so. great. You know, everybody come check it out. Um I don't know. Maybe somewhere in the future I'll have an article again on there. We'll see. We'll see how uh <laughs> how my payment writes four contract words, terms everybody. go. I'll I'll have to talk <laughs> to my agent and see what we can get worked out. But uh Maybe it will maybe maybe have a guest spot, but uh, yeah, good show. I'm looking forward to the season. Um, looking forward to getting these position previews over the next six weeks and just get this stuff knocked out. Get you all prepped and ready to go for your drafts. So yep, absolutely, in. man. Yep. So the last thing I'll say is you know follow us on Twitter. I'm uh, I'm at Fantasy Six Pack. You are at, at Applegar. I got it right this time. Shut up. I know. I know. All right, um, Ben. Ben you, Nintendo. You didn't give me a chance. I had it already, man. I had it already. I was like practicing all day long. Um, no, not really, but I got it. I anyway, say, I know you weren't. So. No, I was not. So anyway, that's all I've got for the show. So we will see you all next week. Have a good one, everybody. All right, good night.